It is July 3rd. Yeah, it is. The the day before a day where people like to terrify dogs with fireworks. Yeah. Although I always worry about my pets and then I come home on July 4th and they're like, what are you doing here? They could not give less of a shit about fireworks. And I'm like, I, if I die, how will you survive in the wild? You won't. <laughs> so Snoop was terrified of fireworks and thunder, literally any noise that was louder than the television. Oh, poor sad doggy. But um, there's been an interesting development in Ditches, which is she is afraid of thunder now. Which I was trying to think about that because, you know, it's not like she didn't experience thunder outside. And the more and more I thought about it, it it's like, you know, the storms are just bigger and louder here. I also like one time my cats all sort of get along. I, I say they have sibling relationships or sometimes they like each other and sometimes they get in a little like, no, you're the worst, like bickering. But for the most part, they coexist. But there was one time like out of nowhere where they all just were like, ah, intruder and like hated each other. And <laughs> I I read online that like, something can happen like outside that startles them or like a cat is sitting by another cat and there's a sound and they think it came from the cat and they can't explain why. So they hate that cat. Um, but yeah, I got like a feel away diffuser and I think I let them go outside or something. And then they were friends again, but it was like, it was like they needed a reset. It was really weird. So maybe something like that happened. Like she got surprised by the thunder once when she was pooping and she's like, how did that come out of me? And now she's afraid or something. <laughs> I don't know. I I really hope that's it. That she's afraid that the thunder is coming out of her butt. <laughs> I uh, I was talking the other day of like you could talk to one of your pets for an hour and they would like understand you. What like which pet and what would you talk about? And I have my one cat Sushi who like used to roam around and get in fights and. I'm like, I would always ask him what he does and where he goes. And like, he really, there's this one gray cat that comes around to our yard and he hates that cat. And I'm always like, why? What did the gray cat do? And Ditches is the one you could talk to for an hour. What is it with the thunder? I mean, maybe, but I know what she's mostly thinking, but it's just. It's really cute and also a little sad for her because, like, she'll just start trembling. And she'll try to start getting away. So what I do is I gather all the animals together and then I make her sit in, like, the center of all of us. And then I pet her and I'm like, see, look, you're safe. We're all here. We're all right here. Oh, that's sweet. My one cat, Prince, likes to hide, but... I've also realized in the summertime, since I'm, like, opening up the house, I think he just likes privacy and, like, alone time. Because, like, a lot of times he just goes and sleeps under the porch. And I'm like, I think he just likes being left alone. Like, he must be an introvert cat. Like, maybe he sleeps in the closet. And, like, when people come over, he just goes in there. And I'm like, he might be afraid, but he also just might be like, nah, I'm not dealing with this. (laughs) Well, on that note, welcome to All Things Terror.
Welcome. I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. And this is a podcast where we bring you spooky tales from science, history, true crime, and we talk about ourselves a lot because we think we're fascinating. And our pets. And I mean, we think we're fascinating, but we also know that we're really boring. Yeah, it, we talk about our pets a lot. I find them fascinating. And there's often like gross stories from my life because I'm gross. So we're relatable celebrities, Emily. <laughs> there's no mystique to us. It's like, oh, they're ordinary people. Yes, we are very ordinary people. Yeah, yeah. Uh,. I like the idea that we're relatable celebrities. That that's something that I'll think about later and and laugh. We're not celebrities at all. It's no. Okay. <laughs> I think it's possible we're not even relatable. Uh, I I mean, the more that I tell gross stories about myself, the more I'm just like I'm gonna alienate everyone I know who listens to this podcast. It's just like Emily's disgusting. You there is one person out there in the world. Maybe they have or have not listen to this podcast yet but if they do their response is going to be me too i too got dysentery and had diarrhea for months for no reason (laughs) (laughs) that's okay i i revealed to you today um something that is very stressful for me um that i just cannot i cannot deal with typically but i'm surviving We're we're as strong as our beloved and mysterious cats. <laughs> uh, my my house is currently in disarray because there is a lot of redoing of things, and the chaos is a necessary part of it. But uh, it's also something where I'm like, I my instinct is I must clean all of this right now. I just, I have to say, too, like, you're lucky you d- y'all didn't buy a fixer-upper because you're building, like, shelves and furniture. You're not, like, ripping up your floor or redoing your bathroom, which would be weeks of true horror chaos. Uh, so I, I think you should <laughs> so, never do that. Uh, funny story, uh, the bathroom is a target for remodeling. Oh, you're gonna die, Jennifer. I guess you have more than one bathroom. I might. Mm -hmm. You can just ignore the one that's in progress. That's the plan. Whenever I get to that stage. So, uh, speaking of stages. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we have, in the past two episodes, been talking about witches and... The dangers of mass hysteria. Uh, We have talked about the dangers of mass hysteria in the past. Uh, And I wanted to revisit that topic again today. So if all of you guys out there are like, episode 13 is going to be something totally different, it's not. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Surprise! It's not. So, um... I want to take us back 30 years before the Salem Witch Trials. And uh, this is going to be 1662 in Hartford, Connecticut. Are we there? We're We're there. there. It's cold. 
I poop in a ditch. I'm starving most of the time. And I'm a Puritan. I'm a Puritan <laughs> so I'm just constantly afraid I'm not measuring up. And I hate dancing. Yep, I'm there. Being alive is a sin. Being alive is a sin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this... So this is in March 1662, so um, for those of you who need a um, contemporary frame of reference, this is the month that everybody was like, oh yeah, coronavirus is real, even though like it could have been in the United States even earlier. March. Yeah. Um, March. But, you know, March 2020, March 1662. Mm-hmm. So, there is one John and one Bethia Kelly. They are a married couple who had sex and produced a child. <laughs> That's how the children are produced? Oh. Yes. No stories. Man, I need to re-examine my life. Um, and they had a daughter at this time, uh, Elizabeth Kelly. That was eight years old. We're going to pause. Now, in Connecticut at the time, witchcraft was one of the 12 capital crimes in the colony. 12? That's a lot. Yep. The legal precedent for being a witch um, was established by, here we go, gonna shock you with this one, Puritans. (laughs) And their precedent was taken from, hold on, hold on, the Bible. Mm. I know, right? So, for example, um, from the Bible, if you are look- to look at Exodus twenty-two eighteen, thou shall not suffer a witch to live, which is a fantastic way of saying bitches gotta die. <laughs> And then for those of you who feel like doing homework, feel free to look up Leviticus twenty twenty seven. It mentions a wizard. Fancy. So this is basically their legal precedent for capital crimes of witchcraft. Uh, sound sound um, legal precedent there. Mm-hmm. So. March sixteen sixty two, John and Bethia Kelly are grieving the death of their eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth Kelly. Oh, that's a bummer. She was at her neighbor's house earlier before. Her neighbor was good wife, Aries, and the nickname is Goody. Um, Then after returning... With the neighbor, she shortly, quote, took ill. Now, pause. Pause. The neighbor's wife is actually good wife. Or the neighbor's name is actually good wife. She is married. So there is a Mr. Good Wife. <laughs> okay. Um... Why the why Elizabeth was over at Goodies? I don't really know. Um, I mean, they don't have TV. I didn't. So. 
Yeah, I didn't dig deep in the reasoning of visiting the neighbor just because that's not the story. The story is what happened after Elizabeth died. So everybody take a second. Your child dies. This is 1662 Hartford, Connecticut. You've got some real superstitious beliefs about witches. Um, you live in Hartford, which witnessed the first execution of a suspected witch on May 26, 1647, and that was the execution of Alice Young of Windsor. How do you think John and Bethia responded to Elizabeth's death? I mean, honestly, I just can't get over the phrase, being alive is a sin. Like, <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> well, it's true. It's just so, like, I don't know why it's so funny to me. Um, well, I mean, that's, like, basically any precedent of any extreme, like, religious system is, like, well, you being alive is intrinsically a sin. Yeah, I mean... And I and I'm not forgiving the Puritans for that either. They were, they had an extreme belief system, and they put themselves in a cage. Yeah, it's just, but it's I don't know. There's just something really funny about it. Um. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> but I bet that like Bithia and dude are are chill. They're like they're like sad, but they're super chill. Am I right? Yep. That's exactly what happened. They were so sad and super chill. Um. You know, they're like, my daughter is dead. We are here feeling this pain together. We are feeling the pain with our community. We are finding comfort in our pain with our uh, through our extreme belief systems. You know, um, they totally did not at all do anything different. In hearing you say that, it does make me think, like, to the Puritans' credit, like, life was hard. I mean, life is always hard, but, like, man, like, diseases could run through your town and did and kill, like, you know, 30% of people for no reason. And, you know, you might have 10 kids, which is already pretty intense, and, like, two of them get to be adults, right? And there's wars, and, you know, you, you don't, you can't, like, check out with, like, some TV and some takeout, like, I can see how in the face of, like, constant death and hard work and upheaval and horrible shit, how you would just be like, I need to cling to some narrative that makes this worth it. So I can kind of see how the idea that, like, this life doesn't really matter because it's just a dress rehearsal for heaven might be kind of comforting. Like, if you buried four babies, you're like, well this is 100% better for them because this place sucks. I mean, not sure, to but excuse I... their actions, but I can kind of see how an extreme religion or an extreme interpretation of the Bible could take root in that kind of context. I mean, sure, but at the same time, they were Puritans before they came over and stole a bunch of land from people that were already living here and they get about as much mercy from me as the victorians do because let, let's 
let's apply that lens to what was going on in the medieval times. I mean, that's fair. I'm I'm not really a it's it's not a <laughs> hill I I care to die on. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I they mean, were like, still sure. Turds. It's you, you can see how they think the way that they think, but I still say I fuck mean, them. That's true. <laughs> like Quakerism also flourished in the same. Context yeah. in Quakerism was very extreme, but it was also very nonviolent and like caring for other people and abolitionists. So, yeah, I mean, it's not an excuse, I guess, to choose a hateful form of extremism to cling to. So, uh, you know, John and Thea Kelly, very reasonable, um, totally did not testify against Goody saying that when her daughter, when their daughter first took ill, she, uh, that Elizabeth said, father, father, help me, help me. Good wife Aries is upon me. She chokes me. She kneels on my belly. She will break my bowels. She pinches me. She will make me black and blue. She kneels on my belly. Jesus. Which like, can we stop for a second and think about whether or not that is something that an eight-year-old would say. I have no idea. I, like, if you ask, if you lined up children at a bunch of different ages, I, I'm not going to lie, I don't even know if I could pick out an eight-year-old out of a lineup. I'd be like, eh, that one seems <laughs> medium-sized. I'm just saying, like, so if an eight-year-old in 2020 would come up and say something like that to me, First, I'd be like, that is a very set of, uh, that is a very organized set of thoughts. I am impressed. Um, you kept one narrative together. Yeah. (laughs) And then two, you have an amazing imagination. I mean, I guess eight-year-olds are, like, learning how to read and write, right? So, they could tell. I mean, maybe. I don't know what they're learning, you know, in 1662. Oh, that's I'm just saying, like, this is a very articulate, organized set of thoughts, and it does bring the question in mind, like, okay, so how much of that do the parents fabricate, and how much was actually said by Elizabeth? Also, if you ever want to make a spinoff podcast called Emily and Jennifer Speculate About Children, (laughs) that would be hilarious, (laughs) because you're like... I don't. We our topic this week: How tall are seven-year-olds? And then we're just like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Four feet. When do you stop growing? Like (laughs) every week, we are confused. (laughs) I don't know. There may be the day that day we have to think about our future podcasting. That's right, listeners. What if we could not continue with all things terror? What if we're out of ideas forever? Well, we'll see. I also, when Clint and I recorded the, um, I think it was the Paris Syndrome interlude, I said that a spinoff would be Emily and Clint talk about religion because there's like a bit where I'm like, wait a minute, why is this the way it is in the Bible? And we were like, both of us like grew up not going to church or anything. So we're just like super confused. And I'm like, anyone who went to Sunday school is like pissing themselves laughing at how dumb we are right now. Like. (laughs) <laughs> so you you can get on board of uh two uh heathens talk about religion <laughs> i mean i'm always game for that i guess i Anyways. guess are we 
we're heretics because not heathens. Heathens have never heard of Jesus Christ. Heretics have heard of him and reject him. Ah, yeah, that's true. Heretics talk about religion. Anyway, that's that. Anyway, <laughs> um, as as a heretic, I'm going to continue my story yeah. here. So yeah, uh, Elizabeth and Thea Kelly, instead of turning inward and end out towards the community for support, they instead starting to take their grief out on the community around them, starting with their neighbor. And what happened from there is uh, bananas. So Elizabeth's death actually sparked hysteria in Hartford. Um, there was already someone executed for being a witch in 1647. People really believed in this shit. And when there is a child that dies and the suspected reason is because of witch witchcraft like they fucking went to work um what really aggravated the situation was that um ann cole someone else living in the area suddenly became afflicted and the affliction was by the way shaking violently and blaspheming clearly a witch uh, had witched her. So, <laughs> Cole turns around and blames her neighbor, uh, Rebecca Greensmith. And this is what the townspeople had said of Rebecca Greensmith. And I would like everyone, I'm going to give everyone a second to um, remember what I said about the people that were targeted previously and the people that Emily said were targeted You've had your second. Of Rebecca Greensmith, they said, she is a lewd, ignorant, considerably aged woman. <laughs> I mean, feel free to put that on my tombstone. I rest my case. <laughs> lewd, ignorant, considerably aged. That's also, I mean, that's going to be the theme of my next birthday party. <laughs> Can I... Can uh -huh. I go? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be lewd, ignorant, thoroughly aged women. I mean, I will always beat you on the aged part, but we could have a competition for lewd and ignorant. Yeah, well, and we're both also over 30, so according to popular culture, we're basically dead, so. That's right. I am no longer uh, sexually viable and therefore don't count because I, I'm, like, basically, you know... A non-person. Uh -huh. no. But uh, maybe that's why women get sassier and awesomer as they get older. They're like, I'm already dead. I'm a ghost, motherfucker. Can't hurt me. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> oh, I just thought it's because the wisdom of time has taught us to give less of a shit about everybody else's thoughts about who Yeah, that too. But uh, yeah, so if you are young and listening to this, just know that uh, the older you get, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, I mean... Things get better. Minus, like, the metabolism and ability to just do whatever to your sleep schedule and not feel it. That's awesome. I mean, ride that hard in your 20s because, man, that goes downhill fast. But other than that, I mean, it's it's much better. TBH, though, you're not going to give a shit about your meta metabolism when you hit 30 either. So, trust me, you are liberated from so many cages. You could start doing the work now, but, you know, I know that I, we can tell you whatever we want. 
you gotta discover it. Man, ride hard. I like I turned thirty, and I swear to God, it was just like you, you're gonna have heartburn for no reason all the time. And like my parents, <laughs> they both, I mean, they both are like, oh, I can't eat that. I'll have heartburn for days. Like my dad has re- prescription like heartburn medicine, and like if that's my future, it just my torso becomes a lake of fire as I age. So. I tell all my students to eat and drink whatever you want. Like, just do it. You won't gain weight. You won't get heartburn. Just fucking go for it. Get that out of your system now, yeah. people. Um, speaking of getting out of the system, I, I gotta pee, so. So going back in. Um, so after the accusations went flying... Towards Rebecca, um, good wife's husband chimed in and was like, yeah, totally, it was Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lewd, ignorant, old-ass woman. <laughs> Clearly is yeah. witch. Yeah. And y- you would think it would stop from there, right? But no, it was a fucking wildfire. So basically, those who were accused turned around and accused others. Neighbors were accusing neighbors. It was... It was chaos. Um... There were... So... I'm going to to preface this with... No one knows who the two people were, but there were two people who were even subject to the water test. Um, they did things a little differently in, uh, the colonial, uh, boo-boo towns of Connecticut when they did the water test. Like, they bound you, they put you under the water, but they didn't leave you in there. Oh my. So, um, if, if you didn't start, magically start floating, you were retrieved from the water from what I understand but what they believed um those two people being were the greensmiths so Rebecca Greensmith and her husband and unfortunately if it if it was uh Rebecca she kind of did it to herself (laughs) because Rebecca went yeah I have familiarity with the devil quote and quote at Christmas, you know, they would have a merry meeting to form a covenant. It's like uh, the werewolf episode with, like, this of Calibron, who's like, yeah, I'm a werewolf. I go down to hell and fight witches. And then the werewolves are like, we come at Christmas and drink all your beer. <laughs> she would have been, in, she been like, bros with rude. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love all these shades of Christmas now being like, well, that's when the devil comes and helps you drive off the werewolves who want to drink your beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, maybe I, it's too bad that Rebecca isn't around to ask about the werewolves, but she's like, yeah, I, I know the devil. We ain't had fucking covenant, whatever. Fuck you. And, and she's like, yeah, me and her husband and or me and my husband. And then she's like, Hey, and we meet in the woods with seven other witches. Do you want to know who those witches are? It's Goody Aries, Mary Sanford, Elizabeth Seeger, and some other bitches that we Wait, know. Wait, Mary Sanford? And then... In Hocus yes. Pocus, are they the Sanford sisters? 
Yes. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And then and then the neighbors upon hearing that testimony would be like, "Oh, we we've definitely seen Mary dancing in the woods with other women and they're like there were like black kettles and they were making stuff in them. <laughs> I mean, whenever I hear stories like that, I just picture like some women naked, like with a boombox playing Prince, dancing around and like <laughs> just like drinking out of beer, like bottles that are in paper bags and like basically just acting like teenagers. And then like some Puritans looking at them and being like, witch. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like this shit is so crazy like clearly people are just making shit up like this is so obvious like i mean i know everybody's gonna be like well hindsight's 2020 no fuck you this is clearly some fucking bullshit like neighbors are like uh-uh it was this neighbor and they're like uh-uh well it's that neighbor and it's like oh yeah definitely saw women dancing in and in, in the woods m- making food yeah i mean like <laughs> So this is the thing that I can't wrap my head around, like the um, Red Scare in the 50s is just like, why would people care about communists? And like I asked a history professor once this in college, I was just like, I just don't get why people were afraid of them. Like, okay, they're communist. We're not. They're going to go do their thing over there, like whatever. And he was just like, well, I mean, I guess the idea is that communists wanted to make all countries communist and they were actively trying to do that but like that was the best answer i got and i still like can never find a clear articulation of why communists are frightening or were frightening like it's the same thing with like why do you care if women are dancing you know i i just (laughs) i mean hold on that is very dangerous (laughs) women Women dancing dancing? seriously oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's you know it's just like any type of you know fear that powerful people put in front of a mass of human beings there there is a reason to do it and you might not like what the hearing what the reason is so for me it's like i like or not i like but like i understand the idea of like i believe in witches that they're demonic creatures and they are out to hurt people Uh, like I believe in that I mean I don't but I can see how someone could believe in that and so you know if a witch is among us you know what oh but like I just the leap from yes I believe in these mystical beings to and dancing is a sign of it I'm like how is that a sign that you have special powers that you're cursing people with like because you're a Puritan, Emily, and being alive is a sin, and you're not supposed to have any right. joy. Being alive is a sin. I forgot. Okay. Now I'm back with you. <laughs> oh, God. Cover your ankles. Oh, you rising slut. <laughs> so, um, Rebecca confesses in court, like, yep, I'm a witch. Fuck you. <laughs> and Nathaniel, her husband, is like, I what? No. No. <laughs> I'm I'm not a witch. So you know what happens? They just put him on a noose. Oh god, both of them. Yep. They're like, yep, you're dying. And he's I, like, I want no, to no, no, read. no, 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 no. I'm disagreeing with her. I'm with you guys. And they're like, nah. 
I I went to read uh, the court's verdict, which is unquestionably decisive. According to the law of God and the established law of this commonwealth, thou deserves to die. Oh, damn. Yeah. They had some, like, other long-winded bullshit, like, um, when they were indicted, it was like, for not having the fear of God before thine eyes, thou hast entertained familiarity with Satan, the grand enemy of God and mankind, and by his help hast acted things in a pre-natural way. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm the verdict is way more, that's the thing I'm paying attention to. The rest of this is just filler. Yeah, <laughs> thou hast deserved to die line definitely sounds like something that would be in like a horror movie in this setting. Like, if that was in some sort of line like that, I'd be like, yep, that, that tracks with the way this movie is going. Yep. Definitively, you're that's dying. It. So they're hung. And now, after the executions, Ann Cole is like, whoa, whoa I'm restored to my health. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, Goody actually left Hartford, uh, Hartford trying to escape the trials. Um, Mary Seeger was convicted of witchcraft in 1665, but the governor reversed the verdict, verdict the following year. Um Mary Baines, who lived in Farmington, was also part of the witch hunt and was executed along with the Greensmiths. There was a total of four executions and uh, seven trials because of the death of Elizabeth Kelly. Oh, man. I mean, I think, you know, Salem gets a lot of attention and so does witch trials in england but man just zooming in on one that you haven't heard before it's like this is bananas people are the real monsters like it is really i don't know the end of our stories always are humans Humans are the real real but unless it's a disease (laughs) so i want to i want to point out that um you know in Fairfield, Connecticut, uh, 1692, there was another witch hysteria, but no one ended up being hung for it. And then again in 1697, um, after Alice's, Alice Young's uh, execution, because remember, she was the one who died even earlier before mm-hmm. this, after being accused. Um there was yet another witch hunt. There were 46 prosecutions and at at minimum 11 executions at that time. So, there is still one more tidbit of information about um, the witch hunt of this time period. So remember how I said that eventually the colony during the Salem witch trials were like, yeah, what we did was unlawful and really fucked up. Also, here's 600 pounds. We're sorry. Yeah. Um, some of the descendants of the 11 colonists that were uh, known colonists that were 
executed during the 1697 witch trial, whatever, um, have asked for pardons for their family members. Um, they have not been pardoned, and it has, at this point, gone all the way up to, uh, to the gubernatorial level for a pardon. And they won't do it in Connecticut? Not that I, I know. I think, I mean, I haven't really checked into it that much, but I'm not really even concentrating, like, the thing I want to point out here, I'm going to back up because I'm talking ahead of myself, which is, it's so interesting to me that, uh, you know, because you and I talked about this even in in my episode uh, earlier, which was the idea of an apology in proclaiming innocence from something that happened so long ago is still very significant today. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, and to me, it's kind of bananas that they wouldn't pardon them. Like, what what do they have to gain by ignoring this? Like, why wouldn't you just be like, yeah, that was obviously fucked up? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they ever were pardoned, but, like, the point is, is, like, you know, we're talking about 1660-something, and... You know, we're in the future now, and there is a... People who were related to those people feel that it's important to get a pardon to for their family members to be claimed to be innocent. And, and it's funny when, you know... Like, I know you can look at it and be like, is that important? But I think it is. I think it is important just as important it is. Uh, for, you know, anyone currently in power, any institution now in power, to apologize and try to make up for things that the institution that they weren't a part of in the past, but are a part of now, when they wielded their power, uh, you know, towards evil against people, right? Yeah, I was uh, I was talking about this with someone in regards to like taking down statues of like confederates or like renaming buildings that are named after confederate soldiers or whatever. And, um, I would say that like what it means is, is saying that like those values of the past are not our values now. And like, that's an important statement to make. It's not to say like, Oh, we're going to go back and like, you know, oh, cast a great or cast judgment on the past, but it's a, it's a statement about what is important to us now. And that's important. (laughs) I mean, you know, pardoning people who've been executed for witchcraft is, is, I think people think of it as like, why dig up the past? But it's, it's not digging up the past. It's saying like, we're committed in our presence to a more just situation. And in that case, yeah, it is important to say, hey, you're the descendants and this is a hurt that happened to your family members, so we're going to acknowledge that hurt. Like, I think that's what's super powerful about it. That's yeah. important, yeah. I, it's it's blowing my mind that the state of Connecticut's like, we will just ignore that you want us to do that. I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying that I don't. They have are still 
ignoring it. Like I said, I don't know what the ultimate outcome of that yeah. was. Because really, I just wanted to talk about like, and here we are again, looking at looking at something that happened in the past and people, you know, in the real world, in the real time that we live in, are saying we we need exoneration, we need justice for this. So yeah. that was interesting. That's my story. And that's our season. That's season four, y'all. All, All over. over. I'm sure that this this journey has been um, poopy. And... I mean, given that we had that great manure crisis <laughs> episode, it's definitely been poopy. <laughs> <laughs> um, filled with medical horrors. Probably some dad jokes in there. Wait, are you describing this season or my interior? Maybe both. <laughs> I don't know. Are you, are you season four on the inside, Emily? Season four is a metaphor for Emily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hopefully we kept you company during some bad COVID times. Um, hopefully you're, you're staying energized to fight for justice. Um... And sometimes the fight for justice just means standing against injustice whenever you see it. Um, and when next you hear from us, it will probably be season five. Is there going to be a season five? Well, you're just going to have to find out. Is this how you? I learned that you don't want to do the podcast anymore? <laughs> um, Emily, I am actually breaking up with no. you. And doing it different <gasps> how could you <laughs> so oh my god anyway well i would we have to continue on for clint because how sad would he be if he didn't get to edit this anymore i mean i think he would be really happy <laughs> if he never had to listen to anything that we said See, so again. that's really why we can't stop <laughs> we can't give clint that satisfaction <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just a soldier in this war. I'm not leaving the fight. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, goodbye forever. <laughs> goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever.